Hello, Dutch Sheets here. Looking forward to sharing with you a few thoughts that have been roaming around in my mind lately. I want to try to encourage you with some, some uh, insights. I want to answer some questions you're probably getting about this election battle we're in. Uh, I'm a little tired. I'm burning the candle at both ends, running hard. You can tell my voice, it's tired. Uh, but I think I can get through this and make it clear. I'm going to give it my best shot because I think the things I want to address are very important. Uh, you know, we're, by the way, we're in the midst of this uh, seven state tour going to the contested states to war over them through prayer. And um, uh, that's been going quite well. We have a couple to go check. Check us out and join us on our YouTube channel. Hundreds of thousands of people have joined, have watched either live or later and prayed with us, which is just amazing that we can uh, use this uh, avenue, this method, and so many of us can see power multiplied through the prayer of agreement. Uh, and and, and it's, just, it's just marvelous. But anyway, please check us out and... Um, I think you'll find them to be uh, strong and that you'd be glad you did. But today I just want to address a few questions that I know you're getting. And I get these questions and I think they're, they're, it's good to have answers for them. It's good to feed you this information to keep you motivated and keep you from, from uh, wearing down and uh, the enemy from being able to uh, attack your faith or your your perseverance, etc. So, uh, five or six things. I'll just go. I feel like I've said enough, and then we'll stop and pick up on another podcast later. But the first thing I want to say is I want to remind you, uh, and I think this is incredibly important, that we are warring for God's will, God's purpose and God's promise over this nation, not primarily for Donald Trump. We don't want this um, prayer effort and the spiritual war that we are in. We don't want that to devolve into a political thing. We are not warring for a political party. And again, as uh, a literal uh, matter, we're not warring for Donald Trump. We're warring for God's purposes in this nation of which we believe he plays an important role. Uh, as as, as um, we were about to go to Las Vegas, Nevada, to, to have our prayer gathering in the state of Nevada, the Lord gave a dream to my friend Clay Nash, and he sort of used an atypical example for us, but I'm sure he did it because we were going to Vegas. And uh, in the dream... Uh, Clay saw me at a roulette table and people all around me were saying, red 45, red 45. And I was looking at them uh, somewhat perturbed and very adamant saying, no, it's red 21, red 21. And they kept saying, no, red 20, red 45, red 45. I kept saying, no, it's red 21. And as we thought about it and, and prayed about the interpretation, it became very simple to me. If our emphasis is on 45, it's, then it's on the man. It's on Donald Trump. 
the person, the 45th president. If our emphasis is on Red 21, that's the year he begins his second term. Our emphasis, if it's on the year, is on the times and seasons of the Lord, his purposes for America for the next four years. And so the Lord, even though the 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 difference may be subtle it's huge we're not fighting just for a man or his legacy or his party we are fighting for the purposes of god and daniel 7 says satan tries to change god's appointed times and decrees or laws so he wants to change the timing of the lord he wants to put somebody else in there who will continue to move us down a path away from God's purposes and morals and laws and desires for America. And we can't allow that. So it's red 21, not first and foremost, red 45. Secondly, why do we continue to persevere against what has been overwhelming odds? Why are we doing this anyway? I mean, it was ludicrous to many people when we began to war over this election. They, they just accepted the results and the odds were so overwhelming against us that there are many people, many Christians who thought it was ridiculous. Why do we persevere in spite of that? Well, first of all, because we believe we can win. I absolutely believe we can win this battle. We have to believe that when we're up against insurmountable odds, but we know what God's will is, we can war for God's will and we can defeat the, the Goliaths. We can take out giants. We can win those battles. We just simply believe we can win. Secondly, we know fraud occurred. I know it occurred. I have people that I have listened to that I know I know they're honest. I know these people would not lie. I know they're not lying. They watched these things happen. And then, of course, I've heard overwhelming testimony by so many others. And we simply know fraud occurred. And so we are warring for truth. And it's right to war for truth. Why should we, when this is as important to us as it is involving the future of a nation, why should we allow it to be stolen? Why should we, why should we just give up? Um, just say, well, we know there was cheating and yeah, probably the president won or maybe the president won, some people would say, but hey, we just got to move on. No, we don't have to move on. We, we, it's right to fight for truth. We must, it's important enough to do it. And that brings me to the third point under this one, why we persevere is, is simply some things are important enough that you just don't quit. You just have to fight. The babies are important enough. I, it just, it just, it just angers me. It, it frustrates me to no end when people will just act like, well, it's not that big a deal. It is a big deal. We throw around the word abortion as though it's no, no big deal anymore. We 
So many Christians have become the proverbial frog in the kettle. The water gets hotter and hotter and they don't realize it. You know, at first when, when babies were killed, it was, there was anger. And then the more it happens, it, uh, the more that we just have grown hardened to it. And now we can talk about it and it's not that big a deal. We don't flinch when we say the word and we don't feel pain when we say the word and Christians don't grieve and mourn for them anymore. Listen, it's a big deal to me. It's a grievous thing to me. It's worth fighting for the babies. It's worth fighting for the covenant of marriage. It matters to God. It matters to me. It matters to the Lord about the destiny of America because it's associated with preaching the gospel, which is going to see a billion souls saved. And the farther we move away from God, the more, the more, the farther we get from that destiny. This matters. This is not just politics. People's lives are at stake. Eternities are at stake. This, these things matter. It matters to me for my kids, my children, my children's children to be raised in a free America that honors God, that has freedom to worship him. All of these things matter. These things are important. It's easy for me to say, we fight. We must make a stand. This is important enough. This is, it's not true to say it's not a big deal. It's just politics. Nothing could be further from the truth. And then another question that I get that, that I think uh, you probably are, are getting. This is a question I'm asking because of a statement I get. What do you do or how do you answer when people tell you they don't believe we can win? And there are some, of course, people that, that, that mock us and laugh at us because we dare to fight. There are other well-meaning people. They just, they just feel like they've come to the conclusion. Some probably think, no doubt do, that the Lord has told them that we're not going to win this election fight. What do you do when, when that happens? Well, my answer to that is simply, when, when we have as many confirming words, dreams, promises uh, as we have regarding this election, then I think we have no choice. Uh, number one, these are telling us that it is God's will for Trump to win this, not, not, not Biden. Some people mock that. They don't like to hear you say that. They don't think that God would make a choice that he's not involved, which is completely ludicrous. Why would God want a person to be president of the United States that believes in killing the babies up until birth? Some in the, his party believe it's okay to, have, to, to, to allow the baby to be born and then kill it. Bring the parents in, talk it over. Do you want to save this baby? you want to kill this baby? They literally believe that's okay. And you might as well do it that way if you can do it up to the point of birth because that baby is alive and it's a human being. It's ready to come out and start breathing and crying. And so uh, there's no way that God, it, with his just justice and heart, could want somebody to be president who's going to do that. The, the, the first day that Biden takes office, he will, he will reverse the Mexico 
uh, law, whatever it's called again, that, that allows America to fund with millions upon millions of dollars around the world abortions. Trump came in, he, he stopped it. Obama, uh, Bush stopped it. Obama uh, signed the, the, the bill, the, the, the order to allow it again. And then millions and millions of dollars uh, goes to abortion funded around the world. Thousands of babies are aborted because our taxpayer money pays for that. He will immediately start refunding if Biden gets in. He will refund that. He will refund Planned Parenthood. Everything he can do to further abortion, he will do it. Uh, God, it's ludicrous to say God wants a person with that belief to be president. It's, it's ludicrous to say God wants a party in control that boos him, that wants him to have nothing to do with their platform. They don't want his name in their platform. They won't say his name in the Pledge of Allegiance. I don't even have to pray about it to know that God would not want that. It's ludicrous to say God would want a man to be president who believes eight-year-old kids should be able to start the process through drugs and procedures to change their gender. Eight years old. God does not want that to be implemented in our nation. It's just, he just doesn't. So when we have God's word and his ways behind us, and when we have as many dreams and prophetic words as we have telling us it's God's will, and when those dreams and prophetic words are continuing, we have no choice but to continue to fight. When you know what his will is, you war until it's over. You war until you win or lose. If, if someone dear to me was dying with cancer and someone told me, I don't think they're going to make it, I'm going to fight until it's over. Either I win and either they beat it or either they go on to heaven. I'm not going to give up. That's just the way it is. So when we know what's right and when we know what God's will is, we war until it's over because he uses our prayers to get done what he wants to get done in the earth. No in-between, no middle ground. If someone says they don't think we can win, you just say, well, we have to fight. We're going to fight. We, we, we're warring for what's right. We're warring for the words. We're warring for the promises. We're warring for destiny. We're warring for purpose. And we have to continue to do that. And yes, we trust God, but we don't trust him in, complacently. We don't just sit back and say, well, okay, we'll just stop and he just do whatever he wants to do, you know. Uh, no, 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 we don't because he works through us. The other thing I, I, I just want to say is in, in light of this, number one, I believe the president won this election. I believe there is fraud. I'm thoroughly convinced of it. I believe, as I said, Trump is God's will. And I believe it's up to us now. So we're going to continue. And I will continue. And uh, do I believe we can win? I absolutely believe we can win. Am I prophesying and saying that I know that I know we are going to win? 
I'm actually not. That may surprise some of you because I'm so strong in my statements. And I th say things like, uh, we're going to win this. That's my faith. And that's my, that's my encouraging word to you because I know that if we fight and if we do our part, we can. Uh, so, so am I prophesying to you that I know that I know he will win? No, I'm saying I, I believe he won. I believe there's fraud. I believe I know for sure what God wants. Now I believe it's up to us. If we do what we are supposed to do, and I believe we are and continue to do it, I believe we're turning the tide. I believe we're winning this spiritual war, and I believe we will win. So that's my faith, and I, and I stand on that. And if I ever come to the point where I think it's over, I'll say to you, I think it's over. But I don't believe it's over. I believe we can win. And at this point in time, I believe we're going to win. So that's my answer to that. What about a few other questions? What about those who say to you, uh, we just need to move on and let this go because we're dividing the nation. Uh, the nation just needs to heal. There's already enough division. This battle is just furthering that divide. Uh, my response to that is very simple. Uh, we don't we don't war we don't stop warring for what's right just because the other side is going to get upset. It's not the right that's dividing this nation. We're not the ones that burn down the buildings and tear up the buildings. Uh, I, I oppose the policies of Barack Obama every bit as much as people on the other side oppose the policies of Donald Trump. And millions of others did as well. We didn't burn buildings. We didn't create riots. We didn't beat people up in restaurants and run them out of restaurants. It is not the right that, that is throwing temper tantrums. It is the left. And I, for one, think it's ludicrous to say we're going to let them have their way just so they won't throw tantrums and they won't get upset and 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 div, and be div, div, divisive. I'm not that's ridiculous. It's like saying to a child you you give him his way because he's throwing a tantrum. No, we're not going to do that. That's absolutely ridiculous. It's appeasement. When you take it to the ultimate level, it's what the countries in Europe did with Hitler in the 40s, the late 30s and 40s. You know, maybe maybe if we let him have his way, he'll leave us alone, he won't get violent and and tear things up. Appeasement doesn't work. And we don't abandon truth and we don't abandon what is right just because we think someone's going to get angry and cause a riot or, 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 or the violence may get worse than that. There may be so much unrest that troops have to be pulled, called out to put things right. But sometimes you, you just have to do what's right. And if you have to fight, you have to fight. If that's what happens, then we'll bring we'll, we'll eventually get order and we'll rebuild and we'll do what needs to be done. But we can't back off of truth and what's right just because someone is going to be divisive about it or pull away or get angry or start a riot. We just can't do it. We need to stand for truth. We've we've backed off for far too long, given them their way far too long, and we've lost far too much. We just can't continue to do that and by the way it's just manipulation do not be manipulated by these things another question 
What do we say to those who say, and people say this to me, they, they write to me, uh, they post things on my, you know, they, they answer me on Twitter or, uh, and just, you know, any way they can get to me, they, they say things like, why are you, why are you in this uh, carnal battle? Why are you so involved in politics? Church is not supposed to be involved in politics. Um, you know, we're supposed to get people saved. We're supposed to preach the gospel. We're not supposed to get distracted by this stuff. What do you say to those things? And then they'll sometimes uh, say to me, uh, they'll go on to say, God can still bring revival in spite of who's in power. Even if Trump loses and Biden gets in, God's not limited by that. He can still bring the third great awakening. He can still pour his spirit out. And that's all we're supposed to care about. My response to that is, yes, God can still pour his spirit out. No matter who's in government, he can save the lost. He can even do it, I believe, in a momentous way that begins to bring uh, such a, uh, a movement that thousands or millions are getting saved. But my response to that is, we want more than just to get people saved. We care about more than just the salvation of the lost. We care about the babies. We care about what our children are taught in school. Don't you think there will be young people who are humanists, not believing in God, not born again, don't make it to heaven because of the propaganda they are fed in our education system? That bother, I care about that. We must care about that. We must care about laws. If you don't think we're to be in involved and care about anything more than preaching the gospel and we leave this politics and this other stuff alone, then you never have the right again to complain about abortion or complain about the Hitlers of the earth or complain about unrighteous laws. You don't have the right to complain about the boy who, who says, I'm a girl and gets to shower with your teenage girl. It is ludicrous to say, that these things don't matter and that we shouldn't care about them. This is, this is why we gave up so much because we had this theology, whatever it is, that just says none of that matters. You know, Jesus is coming soon. None of that matters. We just get people saved and, and serve God. And now the mess we have made and the millions that don't know him and the state of our nation and 60 million, the blood of 60 million babies, the redefining of marriage. And as long as those things continue, the Bible says they bring a curse on the land. They bring judgments on the land. Don't tell me these things don't matter. They do matter. And so it's just wrong to say that's all we should care about. And the other, uh, Thing. To say that God can still bring revival in spite of that, well, I have several answers for that quickly. Sometimes uh, he can't, at least as soon as we think. There are times in Scripture where a nation that rebelled to the point 
that rebelled to the point that God couldn't just do it anyway then. Israel's the best example. Now, he didn't abandon Israel when they came out of Egypt and they wouldn't go in and they disobeyed him and they, they didn't believe, uh, but it delayed what he wanted to do 40 years. There are other times in Israel's history where because of their sin, uh, his purposes were delayed for 70 years and he had to allow them to be taken captive by other nations and, and then great real rebuilding had to come later. So it's, it's completely error to say that God is so sovereign that he just always gets what he wants when he wants it. Now, does he, does he believe in, does he know in his foreknowledge that that's going to happen that, and that he's, and, and then therefore has already built in how he's going to turn it around? I believe that, but I don't, I, I don't want God to have looked at our generation and I hope he's not in heaven right now knowing Realizing, yeah, I knew they weren't going to do it. And I was going to have to wait 40 more years and get another generation of Americans that I could bless and that I could do this with. I hope that's not what happened. I hope that he's looking up there now and saying, yes, I knew I was going to find a generation that would cry out to me, that would repent, that would stand for truth. I knew that. And, and I, and I'm going to, just like I knew it, I'm going to be able to turn things around the reset, the, re, the reconstituting, the restoration. And I'm going to restore them to the, to their destiny as a nation and pour my spirit out on them. And I'm not only going to cause revival. I'm going to cause a great reformation. And I'm going to use them to transform nations and, and reform nations of the earth and, and bring the life and the blessing that my kingdom brings to nations around the world that eliminates famine and hunger and, and all of these things. I, that's what I hope he saw when he looked at us. And, and if I have anything to say about it, that's what he saw. And that's what we're going to do. So it's just not right to sit back and say, well, he can just do it anyway. Well, that's just not biblical. In fact, he wept over a, a people in Ezekiel 22 because he said, I wanted to give them mercy and I just couldn't because I couldn't find enough intercessors, so I had to judge them. He wept over Jerusalem, said, I wanted to gather you and heal you, but I couldn't do it. He still got accomplished what he wanted to do through Jesus, but there are other things he was not able to do. So it's just not, it's just not accurate to say, well, he can just do it anyway. And another example is during the charismatic movement of the 60s and 70s in the Jesus people movement. Do you know that more people were saved and baptized in the Holy Spirit during that movement than any that's ever been taken place on the planet? The, um, scholars say as many as 50 million people were saved and baptized in the Holy Spirit as a result of the, of the charismatic movement and Jesus people movement. And I would guess that's more now. But because we didn't care about government, because we didn't care about schools, media, that's all evil. Jesus is coming soon. Don't worry about it. Just get people saved. We had no interest or concept or theology for fulfilling the great commission of Matthew 28, which says, go in my name and disciple nations. There are two great commissions two parts mark 16 get them saved go into all the world preach the gospel the good news he that's believeth and is baptized be saved get him baptized in the holy spirit delivered healed that's revival that's awakening that's get people saved but the other commission matthew 28 and by the way hear me carefully 
does not say this just make disciples as in get them saved in mark 16 and then matthew 28 disciple those individuals that is not what matthew 28 says it says disciple nations big picture government media education my kingdom principles bring them into every area of life and disciple nations uh, according to my ways and my principles. And we didn't do that. We didn't understand that in the charismatic movement. We just cared about getting them ready for heaven, getting them saved. So listen to me very, very carefully. While we, the church, did Mark 16, get them saved and ready for heaven, the world around us, and I'm talking specific about America now, did Matthew 28. Their mindset was, if you don't want government, we'll take it. If you don't want education, we'll take it. You don't want media, we'll take it. You don't want arts and entertainment, we'll take it. And while we got them saved, they discipled a nation. They completely conformed a nation into their way of thinking to where uh, probably one or two percent of that of young people in America today in college, high school and down have a biblical worldview. Even 50 percent of Christians in America don't believe the Bible is the infallible word of God. All of it's inspired. They don't believe that. We, we lost a generation. Let me just ask you this. Those who believe, well, God, you just do it anyway. He's going to send revival anyway. How do you have the greatest outpouring of Holy Spirit so far in history and lose ground when the dust settles 50 years later? Because we didn't do Matthew 28, which is to involve ourselves in discipling the thinking of a nation through education, through media, through arts and entertainment, through the family, through business, through government. So now we're finding ourselves knowing that we have to take this back. So it's just complete error to say, he can just do it anyway, it's not important. The last thing I'll say about that I've already said, and that is simply, I care about more than souls. I know that's the most important, but I care about more than souls. And by the way, Jesus didn't say preach the gospel of salvation. He said preach the gospel of the kingdom, and the kingdom is his rule, his reign, not the thousand-year reign out there somewhere in the future. He said the kingdom is here now with you now. A kingdom is the domain over which a king rules. Our king rules over all of it. He said my kingdom rule has returned to earth now. I've taken back what Adam lost. I rule everything is a part of my kingdom. But this planet here now, Earth, I have reestablished my kingdom authority here. And I'm in charge again now. Now, you must preach the good news. That's what the gospel means. You must preach the good news that my kingdom has come back to Earth. In other words, my rule is back. I have all authority in heaven and earth. Now I need you to implement that rule and that authority for me and teach people my ways. We don't do it by dictating to them. We do it by starting with Mark 16. We get, we preach the gospel. He changes the heart. Then we teach them 
not just individuals, the, the, the culture, society. We teach them his ways. And when we do that, it brings life. It brings peace. It brings harmony. It brings prosperity. It, it, it breaks curses off the land. And that's what we're supposed to do. So I know that God can still save souls when an unrighteous government is in place. But that doesn't mean it's his number one will. And I don't believe he can do as much to transform and save nations then as he can when righteous, when the righteous rule. That is what exalts a nation. And there can be no question in scripture. That's his plan. And that's his desire for the righteous to rule, for those who honor him to rule. And that's what I believe very strongly. And I think I'll just stop right there. And pray. I want to pray over you that you will be strong. That you will persevere. And that when the media tries to say this is over, uh, the press thinks they have the right to call who's president, including Fox News. But they don't. And it's not over. Uh, and when people say to you that they don't believe we're going to win, um, if they're mocking, just ignore them. If they believe it sincerely and they feel like this is what they've heard and this is what, what in their heart they believe God has shown them, uh, you're just going to have to go back to what you believe and what you've heard the Lord say. And let me just, I will finish and encourage you with this. The people I'm running with, the prophetic voices, and there are many that I'm running with, are still receiving dreams that say without question, we can win this. We can win this. The strategies in the dreams are for that. They are how to pray for that. Um, and, and until those kinds of things stop, no way I'm giving up. No way. No way. There's just too much at stake. So Lord, just pray with me now. Lord, I pray for my uh, co-laborers out there who are in this battle. They're in this fight because they believe it's right, Lord. We're not fighting for a party. We're not fighting for a man. We're fighting for your principles, your purposes, and your words, and your promises. We're not fighting for 45. We're, fight, we're fighting for 21 and into the future, your times and seasons for America. That's what we're fighting for. And Lord, uh, we're not going to waver. We're not going to back up. We're tired. Some of us are really tired. We persevere. You're going to give us strength. You're going to give us grace. And as you keep speaking to us, we're going to keep repeating your words and decreeing your words and allowing them to bring faith and life and confidence and to be the sword of the spirit that you intend them to be. And we know what your will is because we know your will is for life and your will is for biblical morality and your will is for America to be the voice of the gospel to the ends of the earth and to honor you in all of her ways. 
and to be a nation under you and to say one nation under God. Lord, those things are your will and we're going to stand for your will and we're going to fight for your will. We're not going to back up on that, Lord. We're going to stand for what we know is your will. So we're going to hang on to your words, hang on to your promises. We're going to keep praying in the spirit. We're going to keep standing together. When you say go, we're going to go. When you say do a podcast, we're going to do a podcast. We're going to do the give him 15s. We're going to go to states. We're going to finish till we've been to all seven. And if you say go back, we're going to go back. And we're going to go to Washington, D.C. And we're going to go wherever you say to go. And we're going to speak your word over these places as a sword, as a weapon against the enemy until the tide turns. And the evil is exposed the lies are exposed, the fraud is exposed, and your kingdom will comes to earth and is established in Jesus' name. Now, Lord, strengthen your people. Strengthen them. Holy Spirit, just right now, cause faith to rise. Break off of them any of the lies or the discouragement and bring them back into faith. And Lord, move us forward into the future you have planned for America in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Dutch Sheets Ministries. If you would like more information about us or if you've been impacted by this podcast and would like to sew into the ministry, please visit our website at dutchsheets.org.